Okay, Paul, episode 53, you and I are both vaccinated. And today, my son was vaccinated. They opened it up to 12 and over. He got the Pfizer shot, and so far, so good. Um, but yeah, the, it seems to be coming together around here now in terms of the vaccinations. Yeah, that certainly is great news. Um, it is great to see that uh, Canada's vaccination rollout is definitely starting to pick up steam. I think for the first time in a long time, there's a real sense of optimism and, and hope that we are maybe going to have somewhat normal summer. I certainly hope so. Uh, things are going to be interesting over the next month. And yeah, the fact that kids as young as 12 are getting vaccinated, uh, that, that's that's pretty cool. That should hopefully allow the kids to be back in school uh, full time uh, come September. I don't know if kids are going to be going back anytime soon, but... Well, they're not going back this year. That's I no, think that's I, don't, a given. I don't think so. No, no. But hopefully September for sure, if all goes well. Yeah, my son, he's only ten, uh, turns eleven next year. Um, so yeah, unfortunately, he he doesn't qualify for being able to receive a, a vaccination. So he's about a, a year and a half out. Um, but yeah, it's it's an interesting discussion as to whether or not. You know, you want to have kids vaccinated. I can understand some people maybe being resistant or hesitant to, to want to have children vaccinated, but... Yeah, we were a little think, bit... Like yesterday, he, he told us... Actually, he came to us and said, there's a vaccination clinic at Centennial College, and can you take me there? And I, I was like, how did you hear about that? He said, oh, uh, Eva, her friend, just got vaccinated today. And I'm starting to think, oh, my God, this is real. You know, like we we knew there was a chance that we're going to open it up to the younger kids. But it's really different. My wife and I were saying it's different when you're deciding to take something for yourself. You know, mm -hmm. I'm going to do this. But when you're like it's your child, there's yeah. this feeling of, wow, like there's this person that's, uh, you know, our child and, you know, should we think this through a little bit? Like, is there anything to be worried about? And it was a bit late in the day, so we decided, you know what, we're not going to do it today. We'll, we'll do it the some other time. And then the opportunity came up today. My friend Marcelo took his son to get his vaccination, sent me a note just saying how easy it was. Well, two hours later, my son got vaccinated. So this was a pop-up clinic, right? Like you, you didn't have to book online? No, it was not. This There are pop-up clinics, but this one was a book. You had to book it online, but it was super easy. All I did was go on to the scarboroughvaccine.ca website. You went to the book appointment section, and you picked the place, which was Centennial College, and it showed you the various time slots in the day that were available. Like like within the hour, you could go. It wow. said nine, <laughs> nine slots at 1210, 12 slots at nine at twelve twenty, and so on and so on so we just booked it with enough time to get my son over there plus a bit of time for you know leeway in case it was traffic but he was from the time he left the house and got back it was about an hour and a half hmm. yeah wow that, that's that's really cool the fact that you're able to book an appointment the same day i know that uh yeah there's been a lot of issues with booking online appointments typically it's a week to two weeks that you have to wait uh my wife is actually going tomorrow for her vaccine oh, okay um, yeah and she had to wait about yeah i guess about 10 days out in order to to book an appointment um, and what's but, she getting which which one 
Uh, we don't know yet. Probably Pfizer. Yeah. And is it a yeah. pharmacy or like a clinic or? No, it's um, it's a clinic. Like it's at one of the community centers. All right. Yeah. So this is through uh, Region of Durham. It does feel like there's a, a light at the end of the tunnel. I think you said those words a few minutes ago. And I, I do feel like things are coming together. More people that I know are getting vaccinated. But I'm still not going to really feel this until we get our lockdown lifted. Like we're still in this lockdown as a province until the second week of June or first week of June. And until restaurants start opening up, it's not going to feel to me like we're getting any sense of normal. Exactly. Yeah. It's, um, yeah, June 2nd is is the date that... Uh, if it doesn't get extended. I don't think it will. I don't, I don't think so. I think the numbers support reopening and... I think there's other factors at play as well. I think if the government were to extend it even further, I have a feeling I think it'll be political suicide for them as well. Yeah, I was thinking <laughs> that too. I think th- people are going to start yeah. getting, uh, you know, start revolting and things like that. But yeah, yeah, yeah. hopefully not. But I mean, it would be nice um, if they could also open up some activities like golf and tennis and things that to me are a little bit odd that these mm-hmm. things are, are restricted. But and, and what's interesting to note is that other parts of Canada are certainly reopening. Um, definitely Quebec. In, in Quebec. Uh, a headline that caught my interest was that uh, tomorrow's, um, well, I don't think they're hosting tomorrow, but I think one of the upcoming uh, Montreal Canadiens playoff uh, home dates, they are allowing up to 2,500 spectators yeah, in the arena. Yeah, I saw that. Yeah. Um, so that that's huge to be able to finally allow spectators. Indoors too. Indoors. Yeah. That, that's that's a big game changer, no pun intended. <laughs> yeah, so the Leafs are playing the Canadians tomorrow in game one of the first round, right? Yeah, and I believe it's the first two games would be in Toronto, and then it switches to Montreal. Oh, it's not in Montreal this game? The first game? No, no. And they're I doing it indoors in Toronto, or is it the one that's in Montreal? Uh, the, the, the game in Montreal, which I believe yeah. would okay. likely be game three. Yeah, probably game three. Okay, yeah. Well, I guess we'll see how it goes. Um, but this morning, you and I were chatting about, uh, you sent me a picture. As, as <laughs> we've talked about before, we will send each other topic ideas or we get topic ideas from, from people and then we'll talk about them throughout the week and say, hey, this might make a good topic. Well, you sent me a picture of, um, it looked like a tree stump with a, a bunch of figurines or dolls and, and a, f- a few other things on it. And this is something you said you encountered during your run or, or, or have encountered during your run. And I thought, let's just spend a couple of minutes because, you know, you do see these memorials sometimes around, like on, on the roads. Maybe someone was injured or killed in a car crash. But this particular... Um, memorial or whatever it is um is something you've seen on your run and it doesn't appear to actually be a memorial but maybe more of a a symbolic to something so what what do you explain to the listeners what this thing is that that you pass have passed several times once Mm -hmm. before um tell us what this thing is describe it for us (laughs) yeah I've, i've passed this thing many times um and it's kind of unusual like it's really sort of um, piqued my interest because 
as mentioned, yes, it's on my, my regular running route. So I run past this thing probably three, four, five times a week, depending. All right. Tell us what this and thing is. It's, okay. So what it is, it's, it's a tree stump. Um, so the, the, the park that I, I run through, um, there's a, a tree that was taken down last year. Uh, maybe it was struck by lightning or it was just taken down because it was a, a dead tree or something like that. Yeah, it looks like kind that. of rotted out. And we'll, we'll post a yeah. picture of this in the show notes. And I've also added a new feature where I can put pictures on the chapters. So if you're listening to this on a phone or an iPad, uh, I don't know if it'll work on Spotify, but it'll work on Apple Podcasts. You should be able to see a picture of, of this. It might make it a little more interesting for those who are following along. But sorry, continue. Dead stump. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. I think you, you have to see the photo here to really understand the bizarre nature of this thing. Anyway, yeah, it's a tree stump and it has sort of evolved over the last, you know, couple of weeks, couple of months, I suppose. Um, like more things keep getting added yeah, to it? or Exactly. More things keep getting added to this. And it's rather bizarre because I really don't know what the point of this I'm assuming it's some kind of a memorial. I really right, well, don't know what the okay. point of it is. because Explain what's there, though. Just tell me some of the items that you see. I okay. see some painted rocks. Yeah, okay. So, painted rocks, and which is fine. Those are pretty common these days. But there's like a stuffy attached, like a stuffed animal attached to It's a to dinosaur the, or something. It's, it's, a, it's a red yeah. red dinosaur that's slung by its neck. Yeah, that, yeah against, it's even it's more like bizarre. A, it looks like a <laughs> towel that's... Uh, Tied yeah, around the, the neck of this di- red dinosaur with, uh, yeah. looks like a Godzilla kind of thing, red. Mm-hmm. I see a yeah. jungle book, the jungle book, like the yeah, book, actual Disney's book. jungle book. Yeah. There's um, like a, 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 some toys here, like a, a, a Jeep and an army man. And then there's some kind of a plaque with um, this couple, Dennis and Diane. I don't know who they are. Um, like a 50th wedding anniversary. Which, okay, but not really sure what the significance of having this plaque mounted on this on this old roughed out uh, tree stump. It just it, this is bizarre. I'm, I'm sort of at a loss for words because every time I run run past this thing, more and more things get added to it. and I'm just wondering how, how far will this go? Yeah. Um, I, I'm just wondering if, if other people are adding to this or if it's just one couple or, or one person that is is created this thing. Um, you, you know, it is bizarre. And, and I should say that I, this is not to pass judgment on memorials because I know that um, many times you see them on the side of roads to, to obviously signify perhaps a, a tragic event that happened. Yes. Uh, you know, maybe someone was killed in a car accident and, and I – Hope to never have to experience that kind of grief. So I, this is not to pass judgment on any of those. I, I'm just pointing this one out because this doesn't make any sense. There, there is no significance. There's no historical significance to this yeah. tree stump or, or to this particular location. It's I wonder just, if it's, um, you know, maybe the, this couple met by this tree when they were young, and it's, and then maybe when they saw the tree. St- tree had come down there was some reason to memorialize the tree i I don't know i don't know this is so bizarre as i said it it is just bizarre looking and yeah it just kind of begs the question as to how far people go in terms of signifying 
or, or memorializing or making monuments to certain things. Like, I, I know it's kind of on a related topic, but... That's reminding that me of our statue episode now that you mentioned yeah, it. Yeah, and, and I don't want to get down into the, the whole <laughs> political realm. That, that's a discussion in itself. But one of the things that is sort of a related topic is, is people that throw pennies in um, fountains. I've never been able to figure that out. I, I, I guess You've never it's done a good that? Luck. Not really. It, it's well, sort I, of a, an inside joke between sort of within our family is that you know the money that you throw in in the uh in the fountains goes to the cleaning staff <laughs> that's why I've, I've never really thrown coins in there before um but yeah it, it's interesting how certain things and and i guess people kind of copy each other like the, the whole thing with 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 the decorative stones last year um, that that was a phenomenon that really took off, and I know that that was sort of created out of the whole um, you know pandemic and, and right to just bring you know, some cheer. Yeah, into just bring lives. some cheer. But um, yeah, that was another thing that that suddenly those that craze or or phenomenon just kind of exploded. And next thing you know, within a few weeks, like there is these decorative stones everywhere. Um, but yeah, it's just one of those things where I think people just kind of copy onto an idea or or. It looks like several people have added to this tree stump, and I, I don't really understand the point of it. Um, yeah, I, don't I thought it I, was, I think, I, to, yeah, I just don't get it. I don't get it. <laughs> I wonder if you can do a little bit of digging around and see if you can get some more information. Like if you maybe just ask some people in the neighborhood, hey, have you ever seen that tree stump? Dennis and Diane, 50th wedding anniversary. It would be interesting to see how they selected these various items to memorialize their anniversary or whatever it is. Mm -hmm. Um, I'll have to do some research on this, but in the meantime, it might be interesting to be on the lookout for some other weird stuff out there. Yeah. Yeah. And and don't take me wrong. I'm not complaining about it. I just found it odd and bizarre and I just had to take a photo. It was just weird. Let's uh, let's move into. We're going to do something a little different this time. In that we we do most often talk about a strange news story, and you and I have talked about um, one element of of this story, which we'll talk about in a second. But I I just saw this article over the weekend and thought we should we should talk about first. It's a, a bit of a bizarre story, and secondly, the the way this person has chosen to address this issue that happened to them uh, is, is interesting. So let me just jump into it. So uh, the headline is woman wakes to blood dripping from ceiling of apartment in Texas. A woman in Texas said she was woken by blood and other bodily fluids dripping from her ceiling. Uh, Anna Cardenas said on a GoFundMe post that the person in the apartment above hers had died Apparently, the there was a body that had not been discovered for days and started to decompose. Uh, bodily fluids started leaking from my ceiling, contaminating all my personal belongings, bed furniture, clothes, sheets, much more are now destroyed and had to be thrown away. So she, um, she, oh, and then the fan was apparently running at the time. God, this is gruesome. Fan was running at the time, and as the dripping was coming down, it was f- making everything fly all over the place. So... She went to her, she even had a medical exam to make sure she wasn't infected with anything. So she has set up a GoFundMe fundraiser, which will go toward temporary shelter and replacing her clothing and other personal items that were ruined. 
By Friday, the total had reached more than $9,400, nearly twice the original goal. Uh, she was apparently trying to get some compensation from the manager of the apartment complex, but they weren't responding to her for whatever reason. So she sets up a GoFundMe page, which has more than doubled. In fact, I looked at it earlier today. It was at over $11,000. I guess the first question I have is what makes her feel that she should collect from the general public compensation for this? Is it no other options and she's just going to give it a try? And should she go to the general public to collect the ability to compensate herself? Those are the two first questions, and I have a follow-up, but let's just start with those. Yeah, the whole debate about the GoFundMe pages, and this is something that we've kind of kicked around as a sort of a topic idea for a while, because I've one thing that always surprises me about these GoFundMe pages is that um, people are, are very generous, um, very generous to the point where there is definitely a lot of causes or, or I guess, requests for funds that either are bizarre or sort of um, probably in, in well, at least in my opinion, would be somewhat frivolous. Uh, but somehow they work. People do donate money to these causes or, or to certain requests. And the fact mm-hmm. that this woman has received $11,000 so far, um, that's actually kind of remarkable. I think maybe some people could have donated just because it was such a bizarre story. Um, but yeah, you're right. It is a, an interesting question you pose in that why should the general public have to pay for this? Why should the general public be, uh, you know, trying to, well, they to, shouldn't have to, not, yeah, we shouldn't, she isn't we shouldn't saying, have to, but no, she isn't saying to. they shouldn't have to, or they, no. they should have to there. She's saying, I'm going to put well, this out there and hope someone will give me money to yeah. compensate me. No, exactly. And what I was going to say is that, yes, I think a lot of people sort of throw out these requests in the sense that, you know, maybe other people will kind of bail them out. But it works, though. The fact that she's raised $11,000 means that obviously there's enough people out there that, that um, you know, believe her story and, and can, I guess, sympathize with what she's going through. Um, it certainly sounds very bizarre. I think that, uh, well, I'm no means a, a coroner or a doctor or anything like that. But I would think that if you had a, a body upstairs that was decomposing, you'd be smelling that, uh, you know, several days before you start to see bodily fluids. Ah, just the thought of that is just disgusting. But anyway, um, yeah, there is definitely a lot of weird requests on um, on GoFundMe pages. And, and I did a little research on this as well in terms well, of... Well, bef- before you go okay. into it, I, I want to ask yeah. a question about this. So yeah. she she asked for $5,000 and now it's up to 11000 Do you mm. feel that she should just continue to let donations trickle in or that she should shut it off? Her goal was reached. She's now more than doubled it. That's another mm. element to this. Like now she's yeah. just going to sit there and keep collecting. Yeah. Um, should well, why doesn't I, she shut it down if she's already got the money she wanted? But I guess if people are are continuing to make that decision to continue to donate, then I guess the question is why should she sh- why should she have to shut it down? Because I don't think I would be I 
well, I for one have never donated money to, to GoFundMe pages, but if there's somebody out there that is, I would like to think would be educated enough and, and, you know, would sort of read through it and, and research which causes or requests they want to donate their hard-earned money to, I would think that if somebody has already reached their target, why would you continue to donate money? Um, so if somebody yeah. wants to donate money to her, then I guess it's their decision. Um, but yeah, she should probably be taking down that request if she's already like, got is she the money that she needs. Now? Oh, maybe. Yeah, probably. Yeah. Well, and, you know, I've always thought, yeah, that's a great question about once these charities or, or causes reach their target, a lot, a lot of times the, um, the the money collected is goes above and beyond anyone's wildest ex- expectations. And I've often thought, what what do you do with that money? Like, where does that go? And well, and I can understand it, it for things like you know, it's say you're raising money for cancer or a yeah. ch- like that sort of thing, and you might set a goal just to set a target. And mm-hmm. that goes over. I think that's a little bit different. But yeah. if you're trying to f- raise some money to, you know, replace some personal belongings, as she says, bed, mm-hmm. furniture, some f- clothes, sheets, and um, a few other things, probably repaint the apartment. But, yeah. um, you know, you asked for 5000 and now it's at over 11000 It's just, is it getting kind of to a point where it's, where it's greedy? Or was her... You know, damage is fifteen thousand, and she thought, "I'll just ask for five because if I say fifteen, mm-hmm. it won't generate any interest, or it'll be seem too outrageous or something." If people are suckers enough to want to keep donating to her, then hey, just let them. But is that They're, the right word, sucker? Like, is it? Well, I don't know. Maybe. Like as as mentioned, I was doing a little bit of research here in terms of some of the the what they call quote unquote that the dumb requests that have being featured on GoFundMe page. Um, you know, there has been requests in the past for people soliciting for, for booze money. Um, you know, mm. they want to have a, a bender of a weekend and uh, they need someone to, to help fund that. Um, people requesting money to attend concerts. There's quite a few people, uh, like the, the Burning Man Festival, um, people requesting money because they want to attend a, a concert or a festival or, or, you know, movie projects, people asking for, uh, you know, requests to fund their vacations or to fund birthday parties or, or weddings or, or gaming systems. Like why anyone would want to donate to something that frivolous? You know, there comes a point where it's like, no, you need to be responsible for something something like that on your own. I'm not, why should anyone have to pay for any kind of leisure activities? But well, people, people are stupid enough to donate to this. Otherwise, see, they I wouldn't wonder, be doing it. So if, if we set up a GoFundMe page, you know, like for <laughs> the, we talked about this GoFundMe page and yeah. we talked about this as a podcast about various topics from men's fashion to travel to various current events and, all sorts of little things, weird news stories. We need money to keep the cause alive. Uh, please donate to us. I, I have this we, feeling like nobody would give us any money. You'd be surprised. <laughs> hey, if, if we start up a GoFundMe page saying that we have to take the show on the road, we, mm. we have to do a, a live podcast session, uh, you, you might be surprised as to what we would get. In, well, there's in a good 30-day challenge, perhaps. 30 days, we'll put the... <laughs> 
we'll put up a, a GoFundMe page and see how much money we can raise toward our... Yeah. We talked about this tour. Yeah. Roadshow. Yeah. Also, some interesting facts that I think we should mention here. Um, with respect to GoFundMe, and there is other fundraising sites out there. Uh, it's not just GoFundMe. There's a website called uh, Fundly, Kickstarter, uh, CrowdRise. But yeah, Kickstarter we, is more for, I think, business. Like if you're trying to create a product. Yeah, start, and, starting businesses, yeah. But when we're just talking about just GoFundMe in itself, over a 10-year period, because I believe they started in back in 2010, they have raised over $9 billion on their platform. $9 billion in, hmm. in, in donations. Um, wow. So the, the website receives over $140 million in donations per month. Do that's, they that's, take a cut of the action? I have to think they do. Um, okay, that's a good question. They used to. They used to take a 5% cut, but they did not, they have no longer, they are no longer doing that. Yeah. Um, I think they receive revenue by way of donations to the actual site itself. <laughs> like people, people can tip them. Well, that makes sense, I guess. And uh, go I fund think, us. Yeah, and I think there's like a transaction charge when you actually donate the money. So I guess that's how they do it. Yeah, they, it says here, GoFundMe charges 2.9% plus 30 cents on charity campaigns to cover its own processing costs yeah, and processing. PayPal's transaction fees. GoFundMe does not charge a platform fee and there are no PayPal giving fund fees. So, yeah, okay. Yeah. So they're not taking a cut of the action. No, I guess technically well, they're not. Well, 2.9%, I guess, but it's not, it's, pro I don't know. I mean, that yeah. seems, what's, why is that a processing fee? Uh, still, you, you like, figure 2.9% 2, 2 of $140 million per month, that's still a heck of a lot of money. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm. Um, did you know that uh, the largest fund, the, the largest amount collected for an individual fund was actually the George Floyd Memorial Fund? And that raised over $14.5 million. Wow. So that, that was a, a fund. Then obviously that there was a lot of emotions and, um, you know, obviously some political uh, reasoning behind that. Um, but the fund that was originally set up for George Floyd's family um, to be able to fund, I guess, education funds for his own children – yeah, that raised $14.5 million. Uh, the Humboldt, Humboldt Broncos, that was the, the hockey team, um, the, the tragic bus crash, I believe it was yeah. three years ago in, in Saskatchewan. Yeah. It made a lot of headlines here in Canada. Um, there was a GoFundMe page for the families of the, of the players who were impacted um, by this, this tragic bus crash. That raised $11 million. Yeah. Um, so these are examples mm. of some causes that far away exceeded their their target amounts, and it, it begs the question as to when a lot of these funds go way above what their targets were. Um, what did they do with the money? Like what what happens at that point? And who who administers that? If you have well eleven million dollars, let's say for for the Broncos, that's a lot of money. That, yeah. That's a that's a huge responsibility for whoever the person is that's administering the the funds that come into the uh, into the GoFundMe page. Um, so yeah, there there is instances where um, 
sometimes these things can be too successful and you have an incredible amount of money that's donated. Well, and I mean, it, it makes, it makes you, you wonder what, what happens to it. I guess it comes down to how, like, what are you getting compensated for? I, there's, to me, there seems, there seems like this has, uh, it's got an opportunistic element to it. And I don't mean to be, negative because that tragedy with the bus crash for instance was 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 horrible i mean how many kids died in that crash I think it was 17 if i'm not mistaken yeah horrible yeah. but um i i guess it's people's right to try to raise money for something and if it raises $800,000 or it raises 11 or 12 million i guess that's just the lo- I, I could say it's that's capitalism for you, but um, it's an interesting it's an interesting thing because you know George Floyd fourteen point six million target was one and a half. Okay, so it says here it was to benefit and care of his children and their educational fund. I don't know. I don't want to be insensitive, but it's just an interesting. I guess it's a free country, you know, it's a free country. And if somebody wants to raise money for something, there shouldn't be a cap on it, I guess. I, I guess not. And nobody's twisting anyone's arm. If people make the effort or, you know, make the deliberate action of going on to these GoFundMe sites and decide to continue to donate to some of these charities that have far exceeded their target, then I guess it you have to understand the fact that you are donating money and you're not sure as to where exactly that money is going to go now that the target has been achieved. I think people just perhaps want to buy into a particular cause. Uh, I, I can certainly understand that with, with the whole, um, you know, everything that went on last year with, with George Floyd that was very politically charged. And as I said, a lot of emotions were, were high on that one. Uh, an interesting one that kind of jumped out at me. There is a, another <laughs> an, another GoFundMe site called "We the People Build the Wall," and that raised twenty five million dollars. And this was for private donations to continue the efforts to build the wall between the U.S. and Mexico to to carry on what I guess Donald Trump wasn't able to to accomplish. But yeah, there's people that felt that strongly that uh, they are donating money to to finish the completion of, of this wall. So this and, is the record. This has the most donations, I think, out of all the GoFundMes, right? Yeah. $25 yeah, million. Yeah, I, I think so, yeah. So, yeah, 20, $25 million was raised for yeah, yeah private donations to, to continue uh, construction of, of the wall. It's a spotlight on a few things, you know. Yeah. Um, cultural, political, uh, tragic... Um, mm-hmm. And it's kind of a, a little bit of a, a a pot of life, in a sense, of a, a, a snapshot of life and human behavior and the things that happen. Yeah, it, it seems like the the ones like the 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 um, the GoFundMe pages that have a I guess a political nature to it, or or I, I guess those are the ones that have the the most intense emotions behind it. Uh, that that would fuel the the donations. Um, mm. So yeah, it, it, you're right. It speaks volumes the fact that you know I, I guess a, a a request for funds that is very very political in nature 
that seems to be the one that has garnered the most amount of donations. Yeah. So there you go. As we have talked about on a few episodes now, we've been delving into the childhood dreams of various uh, people that have been on the show. In the last episode, Salim shared a couple of his childhood dreams, and I shared my dream about wanting to be a, a, a TV anchorman. Um, when we talked about your childhood dream, I feel something was left on the table and that while you did say in that episode that, you know, you'd always wanted to be a lawyer and that you were headed to, and correct me if I'm wrong, but you were headed to university with this intent. But I feel like that didn't really cut it as far as I was concerned, that you had to have had some childhood dreams that were more than, I want to be a lawyer. <laughs> so, tell me, let's let's talk about this for a second. I, what did you want to be when you grew up? You know, I got to say, Clark, you really do sound like a journalist here. <laughs> you're, you're, I uh, am a journalist. You're, you're acting out through your childhood dreams right now by uh, asking some tough questions in the interview period. That's why I have this <laughs> podcast. Yeah. So I can yeah. scratch that itch. We talked yes. about that. Yeah. P Peter, right. Je Peter Jennings would be very proud of you right now. He would. <laughs> yes. Okay. So tell me what, tell me really, what did you want to be when you, when you were growing up? Oh boy. I don't know. Uh, this is are a, you afraid to tell no, me? Or are you, no, it's, I, I'm just, I don't think there's any one thing that really jumped out at me. Um, okay. So as a kid, I, I enjoyed baseball uh maybe at a certain point there was always a, a dream of you know being a, a baseball player but realistically i knew that would never happen because i was never good enough to be playing on any rap baseball teams or anything like that but i i guess the one thing that maybe i could revisit here is um is politics so as a kid I, i've always had a, a keen interest in in politics and especially U.S. history, probably around the age of eight. Uh, this is probably a, a weird fact that I'm about to divulge to our listeners here, but, um, you know, I am very well-versed in U.S. presidential history. As mentioned, I've known this since, well, pretty much since the age of eight. So in terms of childhood dreams, I would say that perhaps there was a dream... I wouldn't say a dream, but certainly a, a keen interest to maybe get involved in, in politics. Uh, being a Canadian, obviously that focus would be, well, I guess really my only avenue would be Canadian politics um, to maybe one day run for political office. And that's something that, that I'm, I've always had a lifelong interest in politics. And hey, you never say never. In terms, so of what is it about that that um, you like? Because I think a little bit of it from my experience of wanting to be a, an anchorman was mm -hmm. I just liked the way it looked, like seeing the the person on TV looking important and speaking about serious matters and having a good voice and yeah, and, I, and looking official. Like, I mean, what is it about politics that I, you could? I, that you were drawn to was it that seeing the guys making speeches or the women making speeches like what was it that you specifically liked that, that attracted you to that power yeah I, I guess kind of the same thing um 
you know, I guess when you look at politics, especially more so in the U.S., where there's a lot of movies about U.S. presidents and um, there's this whole, I guess, this aura about U.S. politics and, and politicians are kind of raised to a pedestal. Uh, maybe not so much these last couple of years with everything going yeah. on in, in U.S. politics. I think things have changed a lot since, well, I guess we're going back to the 1980s. Um, but yeah, in the time that I, I grew up as a kid, it's something that you, <clears throat> I guess maybe you idolize that style of life. Um, you know, when you had presidents like Ronald Reagan, someone that I had admired as, as a kid, um, you know, when you have those types of politicians, it's sort of, it's, uh, you look back at it and it's kind of maybe romanticized a little bit. Yeah. Um, things change a lot when you're an adult and, and you can sort of take away the, the rose colored glasses and you can, you know, you, you, you can see politics for a, a lot of the, um, you know, a lot of the, the lies, corruption and, and a lot of the, the bullshit that goes on with it. Um, again, especially with the last couple of years with both Canadian and U.S. politics, there's been a lot of controversies and a lot of colorful personalities, that type of thing, without getting too much into uh, the political quagmire here. Well, I think this um, is part of the this is part of the this is a theme I'm, I've noticed in the people on the show that have talked about their childhood dreams. I know for me, it was like what was the job versus um, what we thought the job was. So the idea, like if you look at Salim, he wanted to be a lifeguard because he watched Baywatch and saw <laughs> them booting around on, on uh, ATVs and, and sea um, dues or whatever. Uh, sea dues, mm-hmm. um, you know, booming, bombing around and, and, and looking good and being out in the nice, uh, weather, California sun. Yep. Um, but what was it really? He also wanted to be a pilot. And, you know, was it the way that the person who piloted the plane looked? You know, an official person in a uniform. A lot of kids want to be uniformed careers, like police officer, fireman. So uh, even in this political one, I don't think you were thinking about, I want to create policy. I want to help enact laws and, or maybe you did. No, no, but I think you're on the right track when you say that a lot of times, yeah, childhood dreams are, are created because of uh, movies or TV shows that you watch that um, sort of elevate certain professions. Um, you know, they come across as being very dignified and, and kind of cool um, you know, I mentioned before about when I had expressed an interest in being a lawyer, a lot of that was because I watched a lot of legal shows like Law and Order and, and uh, Matlock and stuff like that. Um, being a lawyer seemed pretty cool on TV, can be very different in real life. Um, when it comes to politics, there's a lot of movies and, and TV shows about politics and, and presidents. Um, yeah, I, I can see, you know, what Salim's comments about you know watching Baywatch. Obviously, that that's a <laughs> uh, that would be something that would create a lot of interest in in being a lifeguard. Um, I think I read somewhere that um, uh, when the movie Top Gun came out in the mid nineteen eighties, apparently there was a huge boom in uh, recruitment mm. for the U.S. forces. 
Uh, Well, I guess the the Navy specifically, because after everyone everyone watched this movie, they felt that they had to be the next Maverick. So it's interesting how movies and TV shows can definitely influence, um, you know, people's thought processes and and where they want to take their careers. And for those people that are able to do that, um, that are that passionate about their careers and, and truly fulfill them, then then that's great. Um, you know, they're they're very lucky people. Um, you know, you and I are in industry. You and I are both in the insurance industry, and I, I don't think many people would say that that's been a, a dream to be in the insurance industry. But I think it's certainly a, a good uh, career, and and I have no regrets to what I've done throughout my career. Well, I saw so, my father go to work every day in a suit and a nice car. Mm-hmm. And I will have I will say that at some point in my childhood, probably more toward adolescence and into teenage years, I saw the image of that as something I wanted to do. Sure. You know, absolutely. wear a suit to work and yep. um, drive a nice car and, you know, be on the phone sounding like something important was going on. Yeah. Having an office. He yeah. had an office. Uh, going into a a 75 floor office tower and having a lunchroom with coffee and (laughs) snacks and a vending machine, you know, like these were things, again, what it looked like. And then looking in the office and seeing people, other people dressed up in suits and, and then there was the C-suite, you know, you don't like that term, but, (laughs) but I remember when I was working in the office, in the mailroom, I would always go by the, the, proverbial c-suite and i'd look in and i'd see the nice offices and again i'd be like in enthralled with these were the super successful part of the organization and they're in these even nicer they had we used to joke that was the the green carpet because the that part of the office had nicer and softer carpet than everywhere else so Mm. he started envisioning well i want that (laughs) <laughs> These people probably make a lot of money and they have nice carpet, they have nice offices. So, but until I got into the actual job, I had no idea what they really did. Yeah. Right? Yeah, well, for sure. Yeah. No, but you're right. It's all about the image that certain jobs portray. And yeah, yeah, it's a, it's a great, uh, great example that, uh, you know, with, with your dad who in the insurance industry, um, yeah, that's something to, to strive for that the fact that, yeah working in a, a building downtown and as a kid that seems so exciting and I, I often wonder um, you know as as parents of young kids ourselves yeah it makes you wonder as to what direction your, your kids are going to go in um, you know what 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 their dreams are well have you ever talked to your kids about that like if they ever ex- or you're you have one kid but yeah well my as, son my son has expressed an interest in being an architect uh, Arch- architect good. maybe a pilot yeah so that's good yeah, just yeah, keep those dreams going. So I looked up here, America's top 20 ch- childhood dream jobs. And uh, I won't go through the whole list, but um, doctor, teacher, veterinarian, musician, movie star, mm-hmm. professional athlete. Yeah. Architect is on the list. Okay. Um, firefighter, superhero, police officer. Superhero. <laughs> race car driver. Top childhood dreams for American women, teacher, doctor, veterinarian, movie star, writer, artist, fashion designer, musician, business owner, chef. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's pretty uh, standard. I don't think there's anything there that that surprises me. Here's something. It's, 67% of Americans have failed to fulfill their childhood dream jobs. 58% of them wish they had, and 82% aren't pursuing them at all as adults. So that kind of goes back to the original thought we had around this topic, Paul, was, you know, would would we be happier had we pursued the jobs we really thought were our dream jobs as kids and how much regret do we have by not pursuing you did not become a politician um how do you feel about that today do you wish you had gone down that road um yeah that's a great question the the million dollar question no i i don't think i have regrets i don't think i I'm, i'm missing out by not being a politician or anything like that um you know, I'm happy with my with where my career has gone. Obviously, yes, there is certain things that, you know, you may change here or there. Uh, but I'm not in a position to complain. Let's put it that way. I, I'm not going right. to sit here and say, "Oh, poor me," and "Oh, I, my my dreams are unfulfilled." You know, I'm I'm very fortunate to consider myself lucky in life that I have a, a good job and and I'm able to, you know, afford I guess you know good things in life and and for you and hopefully you you feel that same way as well but i i don't feel as if i've um you know missed out on on life or anything like that i I guess maybe it's because some of my dreams weren't necessarily ironclad there's there's desires in terms of what you want to do uh, when you grow up but then there's passions and let's say if you were you know, a competitive baseball player in, in your, your true dream and passion was to play professional baseball, then I think that's a whole different level in itself. That That's a, a true, one might argue, a, a calling. Um, you know, whether it's, you know, baseball, hockey, whatever it might be. Um, you know, if for you, I think if, if you, if you truly had that desire and that calling to, to, to be a journalist, I think you would have found a way to do it. That's the way I, I view it. At. Well, that's a question, right? Yeah. If we did, is is the reason we don't pursue a childhood dream because we just weren't that passionate about it? Like, did we, if we, if it was meant to be, would we have made it happen? I think the answer is for some people, yes. Yeah, I, I I would tend to agree with that. I think if, if something is that important to you, then you will find a way to do it or at least try to get yourself in a position where, where you get at least close to that dream. Um, you know, whether it's, it's going to school for journalism or getting an internship. Yeah, it, it dreams, not all dreams are going to come come together. Not, not every dream is going to come true. But I think if as long as... You know, to some people, as long as they can say that they they tried their best and they they made an effort towards achieving that dream, um, rather than give up on it completely. But I think, yeah, it all depends on on the the desire, how bad you want it. For me, I guess I didn't really want to be a lawyer that bad. I thought I did, but maybe once I kind of gave more thought to it, I realized that there's maybe some other options out there. Um, and I certainly have no regrets about not being a lawyer. 
Um, because yeah, there's, there's a lot of unglamorous parts of that job. Um, so yeah, you know, it really all depends on what it is. I think it, it's, it all depends on what your passion is and where your talents are. What we're watching, um, or listening to or reading is the segment we're going to talk about now. Um, I, I've been uh, listening recently to a podcaster named Jocko Willink. And uh, Jocko Willink is a uh, retired Navy SEAL. He was actually a naval officer with the Navy SEALs. Talk about intense. Um, this guy has seen a lot of terrible things in his his travels. He was in Afghanistan and Iraq, I believe. And um, he's uh, he's quite an interesting character. A lot of energy. He consults to the business community. Uses, I guess, a lot of his military experience to uh, to talk about um, business and and strategy. And I he's also an author. He's written a few books, including a couple children's books. But um, his uh, weekly podcast is called the Jocko Podcast, and it's gets like millions of listeners he's been on um i think it was tim ferris who launched his career basically said you should have a podcast and so he started one and um i think i found him very uh, inspiring so that's that's my current what i'm listening to is the jocko podcast i find it interesting for such an intense guy who has um served in the military that he's written children's books (laughs) Well, yeah. So he's got um, one of the books called Way of the Warrior Kid. And it's about kids who, you know, it's about a kid who's being bullied at school and he's not good at math and he's struggling. And so his uncle comes to visit one summer and the uncle is basically Jocko. And he sort of mentors this kid and gives him alternative ways of dealing with his stress and helps him find solutions to his problems. So it's uh it's nice. I actually bought the book for for my son. And unfortunately he lost it uh in Japan. We were on a, a vacation and he he lost it. So he got through about halfway through it, but it's a nice it's an actually a really cool book. Um but yeah, that's that's the basis of the children's book. So the podcast in general, what is that? What what is what kind of topics does he tackle? Um it's kind of a mix of different things. He's got a, a a guy with him on it called Echo, who I think was in his um, in his platoon or in who also served time with him. And so they just talk about leadership. And he's a very passionate guy in that he's got a, a soft side to him. Like as tough as the guy is. He's a real, he's, he's a, he reads, he's uh, not your sort of jock, I call him Jocko, but he's not your, you know, he's very sensitive. So he talks about fitness and nutrition and leadership. And so it's, um, it's a wide variety of topics, Um, but he's pretty inspiring, like, because he's seen so much horrible stuff, and and it's just an interesting perspective that he that he gives. It sounds pretty interesting, and I guess obviously you'll include that link uh, within the show notes, so anyone I will, who is yeah. interested in checking that out, um, yeah, it sounds pretty cool. For me, I am 
talking about a, a show that I'm watching right now. It's called uh, Mayor of Easttown, and it stars uh, Kate Winslet. Uh, it's a mini series. I believe it's seven episodes altogether. Uh, it's an HBO TV show, uh, but okay. I'm Mayor M A R E, not Mayor. Yeah, M A R E. Yeah. Um, so what is Mayor like? As in the horse? No. Her. her so the the character's name is is Mayor M A R E. Ah. Okay. <laughs> yeah, it, it's kind of weird, but um, yeah, it, it kind of makes sense once you once you watch the show. Um, okay. But yeah, it's seven episodes, and I think we've gone through five so far. Um, it's you it's, said HBO. HBO, but it can be watched through Crave. Um, right. But anyway, yeah, the show is about... Um, so, yeah, Kate Winslet plays a, a police detective. Um, it takes place in, like, a, a rural Pennsylvania town, kind of a, a down-and-out, kind of, uh, um, you know, like a coal miner town. And it's it has to do with sort of like some, some murder mystery uh, like a, it's sort of like a, a true crime type of component to it. Mm. Um, I, I don't want to give away really any kind of plot lines here because I, I don't want to spoil it for anyone. But yeah, there's there's some twists and turns there, and there's some interesting characters, um, some characters that you like, some that you don't like. Um, it, I will say this: it's not a feel good show. <laughs> So don't, uh, it, it's not like not something you're going to get a pick me up. No, from. no, it's not. It's not a pick me up. It, it's it can be a little intense, but it is a good okay. drama. It is a good drama. So anyone who likes drama in true true crime stories, um, yeah, check it out. It's uh, I I enjoy it. I think most people would. Okay. Well, I think that's it. We're uh, closing in on an hour, and we had another topic that I think we'll just share next time um in fact we can maybe give a little uh preview of it we wanted to talk a little bit about our purchasing during covid you know are you spending more money than you were pre-pandemic are you is there a false sense of security in that i've heard a few people say well we're not going on vacation or we're not buying clothes as much so we're going to do this we're going to buy that and I've often wondered, has anyone really done the math on that? Like, are they really coming out ahead? Or are they actually, in some cases, maybe spending more money? So we're going to delve into that a little bit on a, a future episode. Yeah, and any listeners who want to chime in on this, you're more than welcome to do so. Send a, an email to us. Um, yeah, I'd like to know what other people are experiencing. Because, yeah, that's that's a great question. I've I've asked that question many times over the last few months as to you know how her how our spending has been affected with uh covid are we spending more are we spending less are we being responsible in what we're spending mm. um what are we spending money on uh for myself personally it's a lot of home improvements home decor updates so yeah it's interesting to know what what are people spending money on that's a good one. So if people want to get a hold of us, they can email us at wetalkedaboutthis99 at gmail.com. You can also visit our website at wetalkedaboutthis.net. And you can also visit our Twitter page, We Talked Podcast. And I also wanted to, sh to um, share our sponsor, Pace Painting, Inc., um, Peter at Pace Painting is uh, 
He's a great painter. He's done work for me in our house. He's done, I think, some work for you on the outside of your house. Yep. And he's done work for lots of friends and family. And I just want to give him a shout out. Normally, I put a little commercial tr- that I insert into the episode, but I thought I would do it live just like this. Uh, Pete's Peter's available at paintwithpace at gmail.com or give him a call at 289-356-7744. That's Pace painting ink give peter a call he does great work very reasonable prices and um very reliable guy all right we'll have a good one